You should get yeah. that definitely branded on you. Branded or tattooed? Pick yeah. one. Do you have tattoos? Yeah, big old unicorn having sex with a dragon on my back. <laughs> That's pretty sick, bro. Dude, he does not. I'm trying to get him to show this like, to me. You give me the biggest white trash tattoo <laughs> you've got in that book. I'm pretty sure 18 people have this in Bullock County. Well, well, you know, man, not a lot of people get this, but i got a big old unicorn humping a dragon back here. <laughs> That's, That's what unique. I got on my back. <laughs> hey, damn. Oh. That dude is hard. From El Toro Studios, brought to you by eltoro.com, the only one-to-one, 100% cookie-free IP targeting solution. This is the Straight from the Bull podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the 17th episode of the eltoro.com podcast. I am David Stadler here with my host slash producer slash DJ Oz, Austin Whiteley. Here in the flesh. And today, we have a very special guest. His name is Clay Cook. Yo, yo. Take my panties. <laughs> oh my god, they're Calm up on the stage down, already. Man. I mean, 75 people out here. I mean, it's tough to fit everybody, but kick those off of here. Don't touch those. He doesn't like you like that. <laughs> Thanks for having so, me, guys. Clay is a photographer, and I've got a little bit of a bio here, and it, I, I, I thought it read so impeccably when I found <laughs> this online. I couldn't even bring myself to change some of the words. So <laughs> let me get into my monologue face. This is something, this is Ooh, nothing. Soliloquy. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Every photograph begins with an idea. The job of a photographer is not only to capture the vision, but manipulate it into art, bigger than life and beyond any initial expectations. After a long and arduous run in the music business, photographer Clay Cook has learned the importance of going the extra mile. As a result, his wisdom, field experience, and work ethic has pushed him further into an aspiring career in advertising and editorial photography. Over a short period of time, Clay has shaped creative processes and projects with brands such as A&E, History, Lifetime, Comcast, Uproxx, Livestrong, NFL, Papa John's Pizza, Red Bull, and Vince Camuto. In addition, he has brought to life worldwide assignments for publications such as Time, Forbes, Popular Mechanics, The Guardian, O, The Oprah Magazine, Adweek, USA Today, ESPN, an ink. I've never heard of any of that. So seriously, what have you done that somebody's gonna know? Yeah, well, what a magazine. No idea. Um, yeah, man, I am humbled by the information that exists in that in that string. I didn't write that. <laughs> you need to pay them extra. But I, yeah. you seem like a popular guy. I don't know. I just people. I guess uh, I'm like one of those relatable people that uh, enjoys what they do. I don't know. I've just always loved what I do and gone through life trying to maintain that spirit. That's good, man. But, you know, along with the desire to offer loyal solutions for every project he works on, Clay has the capacity to spread the word with the help of a large social media and blogging community. So, you know, you really start with an idea and Clay can really facilitate its lead to the finish line. Um, So we're very happy to have you here. Yeah, Um, thanks, guys. Thanks for carving out a little bit of time for us. Of course. Yeah, I don't know how we tricked you into into coming on here. It had to do <laughs> yeah. with the bourbon, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I, was, I hope so. I, I was all so. about it. I'm all about some good bourbon. <laughs> all about some. Well, you know, I'd heard so much about you guys in the past. I was like, well, I got to go check this place out. Right on, man. Well, we appreciate you know, it. And I'm yeah. buddies with Austin, so. 
It's been like four years, I guess. Yeah, I'm blushing right now. <laughs> uh, no. Four years. No, there was zero Clay hesitation. makes all the girls blush like that. <laughs> Those were my pennies. <laughs> but like when I asked you, there was zero hesitation. It was like, I didn't even have to give you any details. Yep, yep, let's do it. I love talking about, you know, like <laughs> talking about cool business and entrepreneurship and trying to spread the word and helping people as much as possible. That's just, I it, love doing word. that. It shows. I love having good conversations over bourbon, you know. Right on. Uh, gosh, I mean, you're kind of letting the cat out of the bag there. Um, <laughs> I was going to keep it quiet this time, but yeah, we, we're, we're drinking bourbon. Um, today, we're drinking on some Evan Williams Single Barrel Vintage. And what I really like about this bottle of bourbon, one is is Heaven Hill in, on the whole and Evan Williams, they're pretty upfront with respect to things like mash bills, things like that. This is 51% corn. You taste the corn when you get a, when you get involved with this bourbon. But I like the fact that it tells you on the back of the bottle when it was distilled, when it was bottled. I mean, it's good juice. And if anybody here attends any kind of Louisville sporting event. Uh, I'm talking about the University of Louisville specifically. This tends to be the bourbon on hand at most University of Louisville sporting events. And for all the people in the rest of the country where your universities don't allow you to drink at games, they are foolish. It's a fantastic <laughs> revenue stream, and it makes sports ball so much more enjoyable. I love the sports yeah. ball. <laughs> you need to switch colleges for real if they don't serve alcohol. Straight up, dude. I wouldn't do it. I went to a Kentucky game like a year ago, and it was like a basketball game. I was like, you know, fully expecting to like have some beers and some bourbon in there, and I was like, nope. <laughs> and I was like heartbroken. Yeah, it's tough. Like, how, like that just is such a great pair. It's like you know what 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 college was that again? <laughs> University of Kentucky. Oh, that's because they suck. Mm, yeah, weak sauce. Ooh, so Ooh. that is a fantastic soundbite that only a synthetic cork can provide. So when you sniff on a little bit of this Evan Williams, I kind of, I th there's something sweet in there. I can't really put my hand on it or my nose to it, but I smell the charred wood, uh, which you would, you know, expect for something that's you know seven eight years old. Um, it tastes a little spicy. I taste the oak. I think I taste honey and when I kind of drink a little bit of this. And something fruity back there, I can't put my finger on it, but I feel it in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to ignore this, that part. This right taste there. feels weird. Um, but, I, you know, it kind of finishes a little bit slower than a lot of the bourbons that we have. This reeks of identity. This bourbon oh, has yeah. character, and I enjoy that. I like that in my bourbon. I like to know that I'm drinking something a little bit different. And I think once it's kind of left the palate, I have a bit of a nutty flavor. Um, but, you know, my opinion, uh, yeah, I just like to drink bourbon. Uh, oh, let's, yeah. let's not church it up. We're but, just getting it. I mean, I like here. the, I look at the full branding <clears throat> process. And if you look, actually look at the bottle on this, the, the actual label is, is very small. So it kind of showcases the color of it. And then you turn around on the back and it's, it's handwritten dates and batch mm. numbers. I just I love that personal touch. Do you think it's handwritten or do you think it's like the printer that's variable? N and no, no, because I, I got fooled recently. No, I didn't get fooled. Like I assumed that it was one of those computer generated, like it was no, robotic and written on, on Chewy.com's postcards, but they actually hire people to write everything handwritten. It, since that hiccup, I can, I'm pretty sure I can spot it, and this is handwritten on this Evan Williams. Pretty sure all the bourbons that do that are definitely handwritten. I've like watched them live do it. 
Really? Oh. Yeah, a few times. <laughs> yeah, you did work at a local distillery. I mean, not local, but uh, I mean, can you disclose who you've worked with from a distillery standpoint? Or? Yeah. So, well, it was my client was um, Kentucky Tourism. Okay. So I did a whole the whole 2019 campaign for Kentucky Tourism, and so <laughs> it was awesome. It was so it was such an honor to do it because you know, I mean, I love Kentucky. I love the state of Kentucky. Yeah, we were at Buffalo Trace several times for a couple days just hanging out shooting you know uh doing the tours and as well as like photographing the tours and and we got access into like you know the places that Did you get to go to the tasting room we we went kind of all over um okay. the bottling i thought the bottling stuff was really cool to see you yeah. know just like i mean and it is all by hand you know they're just lining up and there's most of it like 95, 96% of it is all by hand, you know. Super so, cool. Yeah. When thinking of guests to host here at El Toro, the gigantic El Toro studios with, filled with the huge audience we have here, you know, you might hear them in the background. But yes. one thing we can say, of course, feats and accomplishments, but you mentioned you love Kentucky, you love Louisville. Absolutely. Usually, unless you've, you're into healthcare or shipping, you don't really go to Louisville or hear about <laughs> Louisville. So you have that Louisville link. <laughs> And it seems you've used this as an advantage, a strength. And some people would use it, you know, say it's a disadvantage. You know, how have you twisted this to, to really use it to your advantage, being from the smaller kind of connected city? Yeah, I love that question um, because of the fact that so many entre- like young people, entrepreneurs and um, creatives in this industry just feel like they have to be in those massive markets, L.A., New York, Milan, uh, you know, the big, the big worldly places to shoot really creative campaigns and do all this work, but it's actually quite the opposite. Um, what I've found with a lot of my colleagues and whatnot is they've become a lot more successful in their own way because they introduce something that's just so different and unique compared to what these client, what this clientele really needs, you know, and, and, and they love working with unique artists and different people from different backgrounds and different places. And, um, I mean, I've got a few friends that like one's from Austin and he just kills it. He just did a big new balance campaign. I've got another friend from little rock photographer. He's doing all sorts of stuff from the trucking industry. And then I've got a few friends in Atlanta and then Nashville and kind of all over, even as like in Boise, um, and just these like little small niches and they're getting hired out all the time because travel is so inexpensive now too that yeah. you don't necessarily have to be in these big markets to to really do something. So you just gotta I'd, be willing to put an extra hour in or, you mm. you just have to embrace it and um, dig in a little bit and and it's funny because I I used to uh, kind of say like, Well, I'm that New York photographer and just kind of like let go of the fact that I was from Kentucky and then as soon as I started embracing the fact I was from Kentucky and Louisville I got twice as many jobs. <laughs> it was just, it was a switch. It was 2016. I'll never forget it. I just like started embracing the fact that I was like in this town. I love this city. I, you know, I love the state. And um, I was hired for more unique jobs because of it, you know. Embrace the grind. Very cool. Embrace the twang. I People mean, love it. They love talking about it too. <clears throat> they just, they just find something that's like, you know, if you bring a little more Southern charm to the table, you bring a little bit more of a unique, you know, feature to these big productions. Like, people really enjoy that. 
You're heavy, heavy on the charm. Definitely. <laughs> you keep using this W word, this work word. Oh. But when I look at your stuff, it's like it looks all fun. Like you're just having a blast day in, day out. You're working with top models, you know, world-class athletes. Mm-hmm. Pretty much anybody you want to work with will probably pick up the phone. Uh, you'll probably disagree with me there. But how would you get into this business? How do you – it just looks like so much fun. It is a lot of fun. Uh, my job is one of the best jobs in the world. I'm very blessed. You know, some, I'm always humbled to work with the people that I work with and the creatives and the – you know, from the makeup artists to the stylists to the grip and electric to the, the subjects and the clients themselves. But um, there's a lot of grind that goes into it that, you know, people don't see, you know, as, as an entrepreneur and as a – creative there's a lot that goes into it and shooting is just the small part of it it's it's i guess the sexy part of it if you will but you know it is a very small part of what i do but it all started with uh in the music business you know i i was talking about this earlier with james hetfield metallica <laughs> it all started there i guess that, who's that, that guy never what when we when we go back to back to those days 16 years old you know i picked up a guitar because of metallica and it kind of kick-started my creative career right there, I guess. And uh, I spent 10 years in the music industry. I always loved the sort of the creative aspect of photography. Always, whether working with photographers or, you know, whether we were featured in magazines and doing that kind of stuff, always loved the creative process of that and album artwork and album design. And, and then just sort of one day, you know, about a year after the band broke up, I picked up a camera and it just sort of just snowballed from there. And it's it's just been a crazy, crazy seven years since then. So Yeah, listeners, go to claycookphoto.com. I mean, I can't really talk about how good this work is, but it's oh, it's phenomenal. It really is. I mean, here, like especially if you're in the local market, this hometown <laughs> kid, he's crushing it. <laughs> he is. I mean, if you look at some of his subjects, I mean you'll be you'll say to yourself, damn. He's getting he's getting flown around the world, uh, but it's a lot of fun. What I, another thing that I really enjoy about you know, and we've done a little bit of reading through your blog, reading through some of the periodicals you've been published in. There's a lot and a lot of writing. <laughs> That's the grind, man. <laughs> and and now speaking with you, you're a really approachable guy, and there is a theme that exists through some of your writing where it starts to simplify mm-hmm. a bit of the aspect of photography. And I think in one of your blog posts, it might have been on F-Stopper, mm-hmm. uh, they were talking about your gear. And you said, listen, if you're looking to take a good picture, you probably got the materials in your living room mm-hmm. to take a sexy photo. So, you know, you don't have to have $5,000 worth of camera gear. And I thought that was super impressive. Is that kind of the mentality that you went into photography with? You know, just going out there with, gosh, back in 2011, 2010, was that a Polaroid? I mean, I can't even remember back that far. (laughs) Actually, it was like I went into it with that mentality like a lot of photographers have. Like, I need the best equipment. I need all this gear. It's like gear. They call it gear lust, you know. Mm -hmm. I needed the best of the best. I was like, I needed all this stuff, except I couldn't afford it because I could barely afford my cell phone bill, you know. (laughs) But uh, I started shooting in my living room, you know. That's where I started, and then... Over time, the you know I just kind of built up this sort of you know equipment list. But it's very true. Like a lot of photographers have that mentality, and I've learned over time that you don't need all that stuff. It's all about the mind and eye before everything else. It's the the camera is just a tool. It's like think of a paintbrush. You know, it's just kind of a tool to uh, 
uh, achieve uh, some sort of final vision. And it took a while to learn that. And that's, that's the one thing I wish I knew when I first started photography is that it's not about the lighting or the cool equipment or all that stuff. It's about the subject matter and, and what's in the picture and what does it mean. The gear is just a vehicle, as you put it. Absolutely. And I, lo- I love that phrase. Yeah. I mean, any any type of trade you get into, I'm, I'm into audio stuff and video stuff. There's always somebody selling you the next greatest thing that's mm-hmm. going to make your life so easy, and it's going to be fantastic. Just buy it. Buy it. Buy it now. You know, 20% off right now. Not tomorrow, but right now. That's why we got these old school microphones. I mean, yeah. you knew that Thriller had been recorded on this hey. very microphone. Awesome. James Hetfield of Metallica. Oh, yeah. my God. James Hetfield. I mean... We, I, that's the first thing I said was like, these microphones are awesome. <laughs> microphones. <laughs> I am a gearhead at heart. Yeah, that gear lust is blowing you. Dude, yeah. dig it. But, I need it. You know? But I mean, I, there was even, you'd mentioned uh, in, 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 once again, some of the writing, there was a blurred photo. Your mom to oh yeah, of my t- nephew. T- tell me the story. I mean, you, the, the the story comes better from you than it does from somebody like me. It's 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 kind of a uh, <clears throat> long story, but I'll try to keep it short. It's basically what happened was. I don't really photograph children or that's not my gig. I didn't, you know, I do commercial photography and, uh, but I do photo. I love photographing my nephew and niece, you know, mm-hmm. um, my niece wasn't born at the time, but my nephew was like this young, young baby kind of, yeah, I mean, he was a toddler and we were in, um, uh, with my family and they wanted a, a photo of him. And I mean, it was perfect. The lighting was perfect. It was perfectly blurred background. I mean, like it was just a nice looking gorgeous color. Like everything was perfect about it. And my mom wanted to get prints of these photos. And I walked in a couple weeks later to their house and I saw this massive photo blown up, but it wasn't that photo. It was a photo that was, (laughs) she had taken with her iPhone that was like lit terribly it was i mean it was looked blurry it was like all you know messed up and he was just happened to be wearing a university of alabama t-shirt and he was like laughing at the television roll tide and so (laughs) it was like that moment where all clicked where i was like man there is you know it's like a great quote from angela adams is like there's always two people in a photograph there's you and then there's the viewer and um i've always Mm, at that point i took sort of that mentality and put the viewer sort of in the back of my head when I am shooting is like, is keep, you know, making sure to maintain the importance of what's in the photo and what does it mean to the viewer. So that's where it all kind of clicked for me after that. But she never did use that photo. It was like, so it was so great. It was a good photo. (laughs) It was so great. It was technically perfect. It was technically perfect. I mean, it was, it was, it was great, (laughs) but it was like at at that moment, it all kind of clicked for me and it's like, well, you know, it's like when I work with clients, like a lot of times they'll choose the blurry photos, they'll choose the stuff that's out of focus or, but it's just a, because it's more of a relatable photo to them, you mm-hmm. know, it means something more to them. And uh, I found that super interesting. Just relate it back to your musical past, you know, the clash, instead of getting some type of distortion pedal or inventing it, you know, they just busted the shit out of their speakers <laughs> right. and yeah. Yeah. cranked it up, yeah. you know, or, or like any of those punk bands, it's like shitty recordings, but at the end of the day, people like to listen to it. It's mm-hmm. the melody behind it, or it's it's the rhythm, it's the you know the juice the behind it. It's, it's the true. lyrics. It's like what they mean and and how relatable they are to the person listening to it. You know, they didn't have the latest greatest plugins, so no, they did not. That's what it is. But they got a personal filter for the art and that trumps all else. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. One thing the Clash didn't do. You tell me. They didn't go to Mount Kilimanjaro. Oh. <laughs> 
damn, this dude Look has been segue. all over what? the world. I mean, so Austin's going for a Pulitzer Prize uh, in in broadcasting. Uh, ballots so, are out soon, uh, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, really have no idea. I've, I've already got the app in. Don't worry about yes. it. I mean, they yes. said you're a finalist. I couldn't so get a Grammy, so it's gonna I be settle. Sick. I mean, what are you gonna do with a Grammy anyway? I mean, melt it down and sell it. <laughs> yeah, straight up, dude. Scrap in <laughs> Bullet County, Kentucky. So, so we're 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 reading through we're reading doing a little bit of research on Clay, and in a partnership with Wings Kilimanjaro, he summited the roof of Africa, Ooh. otherwise known as Mount Kilimanjaro. Yes. Fancy. So that is what a six day walk. It depends on. Uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it sounds impressive. I was impressed when I read it. It's uh you know it's it is. It's a big, long walk, yeah. <laughs> uh, something like that. But what was cool is that you were going to paraglide off the top of it. Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, so it was a crazy experience. You kind of look back and think, I'm like, wow, that I actually tried that or did that. But in 2016, for this nonprofit, Wings of Kilimanjaro, they raise uh, you know funds and awareness for clean water in Africa. And I've partnered with Water Boys and... Uh, a few foundations over there, and this particular one, their whole thing was they had uh, the sole permission from the government to paraglide off the the summit of Africa, which is nineteen thousand three hundred and forty one feet. So that's high. Um, yeah, a little bit. A little yeah. Bit. Um, so it was a process. You know, it's a process to get up there. Some people try to do it in six days. We did it in eight because you have to acclimatize and. Sure. Without getting into any crazy detail, but it was tough, man. I mean, I'm, there's no joke. That last day was brutal. It's the hardest thing I've still to this day, hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Sick. Well, I did it, and uh, so that time we had 26. I think it was 26 pilots uh, attempt to get off, which it's really difficult to get off that. Like when I mean get off, like you, you have to. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> yeah, man, you need, to, you need to paint this picture <laughs> we for our listeners about, because we're I going mean, down a rabbit hole There was hole right a guy now. who who scaled a, a pyramid in Giza and did did some dirty things. Uh, I just I just read about that. Yep. Oh man, yeah, that's I crazy. Look that up, listeners. <laughs> um, Not PG thirteen. <laughs> yeah, we ain't talking about it here. Well, to, to what I mean by that is to get lift, um, and you know get your feet off the ground, off the summit. So the air is so thin up there that you have to basically run down the face of the summit to get the glider up in the air. And then you have to hope for a wind gust to get up and get, uh, get lift off the ground. And then you just sail down. It's about a 45 minute ride down to the bottom. Good Lord. And, uh, so 26 pilots went up, 20 made it off the summit. And I was just a part of that small six, six, group that did not i tried it oh man oh that's oh. weak yeah i know it's just oh, not, God. i know that's just not what your listeners <laughs> just, so wah, wait, wah. If you had to walk your ass down the mountain i did because oh, <laughs> that's that the mandatory part about that whole operation i did well there was a lot of guys that i mean six of them didn't didn't make it off you know and at least that, you had company on the yeah. way down uh i didn't because i those, like those six, I think it was. I think it was. I think it was six. It was. It was a. It was a small group, but um, they stayed over to try to do it the next morning. And I was like, uh, I'm out of here. You know, <laughs> I was like, I'm done. I was just so exhausted. My feet hurt. Well, you're, you're up for 24 hours. You got no sleep, and you're at 19,000 feet with no oxygen. Yeah, it's. Uh, you you start things start going wrong with your body because you're hypoxic. You're, yeah. you're not getting any O2 to your brain. So 
you feel terrible, like the worst hangover you've ever felt in your life. And, and then you're just exhausted. So you just, the only thing you want to do is get down. That's why a lot of those pilots were like, I'm getting off this mountain, but I'm sailing down this, this, this guy. So I'm asleep. I'm asleep. And yeah. then jump. But, uh, so I did that in 2016, 2017. I did it again on, in, uh, six days. So, and, and that was a lot harder. I bet. I mean, once you break through that, like 7,000 foot area, I mean, it starts to get, <laughs> The hardest part for me was that last day because you, you have to start the summit bid starts at 11 p.m. And then you climb for nine hours and it's like a straight uphill. It's, you know, 20 below, 20 below zero um, wind and you're in the dark. And that's that's that you got to dig deep, man, for sure. It's a test. It's a mental test. So anyway, you, you guys should do it. If you ever have the desire to climb mountains, I mean. Hey, sounds like a team-building event right I, there. I, li- I like climbing. I thoroughly enjoy being outside. Um, I mean, you stand up all day. That's like the same equivalent. You it can do is it. the exact same thing. Uh, <laughs> and I ride a Peloton uh, a lot of times. Now, we're what not is that? A Peloton? It, a Peloton. It's, it's a uh, machine from the future. <laughs> <laughs> so Peloton is like a group of cyclists that are kind of moving in tandem down the street, but one Peloton is this bike that was created where they do spin classes oh, and okay. they're streaming oh, okay. into your home. Uh, you know, we, we are not sponsored by Peloton. But we could be. <laughs> hey, but, Peloton. <laughs> hey, Peloton, just hey, reaching out to you right there. I'm looking at you, Peloton. Hey, Johnny Peloton, inventor of the Peloton <laughs> bicycle. Is that really uh, his name? No. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to awesome cuss, voice. but no, I'm not going to cuss on this one, guys. PG-13. Damn. I saw that. I was like, man, you guys don't have the explicit on every single one. Oh, there's one. There's, there's one. one. You got to dig in the archives for yeah, that one. Yeah, man. It was it was raunchy. But, I mean, we had a great time. Uh, we it's had been drinking. Matters, yeah. yeah, there was some bourbon involved for sure. Indeed. So you got on a couple other trips. Uh, you know, uh, you went to Puerto Rico right after Hurricane Maria ripped through. Yeah. Uh, well, not directly, but recently. That was for uh, sort of a events and then just to raise awareness for some hurricane relief um at the same time having a good time pretty much and enjoying ourselves so um you know you get the best of both of it and we did some work down there and then had a good time so um yeah there's still some people down there i don't i don't know about right now but when we went this year 2018 what year is it yeah um (laughs) time traveling where where am i um yeah we went a few months ago august i think and uh, there's still some people without power without roofs and stuff but I think the government has stepped in a little bit and helped out, so that's good. What do you yeah. need roofs for? Embrace the grind. Gosh, yeah. come on, Enjoy man. Yourself. Get with it. Pop a tar- tarp up. That was my I first don't think time. we should be so callous. <laughs> no, no. Their, I was about to say that was a morbid sightseeing that, tour, but tough. you're helping yeah. them, so that's, I mean, that's good. But one of the most interesting ones that I had kind of read, and I hope that you were involved in this, otherwise we're just going to have to edit all this shit out. <laughs> we d- I don't edit anything. <laughs> but, uh, it's too much work. There was a, a popular work. mechanics article from 2017. It was Louisville to North Carolina in a Land Rover without yeah. GPS. Were you, what? were you on that trip? Yeah. Okay, oh, so I, I, thought, I thought the photos had to be, like you didn't just drive to these effing places to, to do that, but you guys disconnected from tech. 
Yep. And you experienced what it was like to travel as if we were all living in 2001. Ooh, <laughs> ooh. It's fun. I never actually saw that article, That's but you gross. did? Yeah, I saw that That's article. That's awesome. Dude, I subscribed to Popular, Me- popular Mechanics. So, Which is uh, very odd. I do not picture him <laughs> as a Popular Mechanics subscriber. But hey, it is what it my is. My brother in law is like that. He's like an engineer, but that makes sense. So, <laughs> But uh, yeah, he read that article too, and I was like, I didn't even see it, but I remember it. I thought that was the coolest gig, one of the coolest gigs I've ever had. Because, um, yeah, Poplar Mechanics hit me up. She's like, this is a really fun project. It was like the senior photo editor or whatever. Hit me up and was like, hey, we've got our uh, one of our editors or one of our writers is, is here at a, some car event. It was like an Audi event or something, Porsche event or something that – they had in Louisville. Oh yeah, it was the one where they were down at um, down at one of the hotels, letting people test drive three hundred thousand dollar Porsches. Yeah, just that little luxury that car event. What? Yeah. What? Oh no, I remember it. Like I got buddies who were like, "Hey guys, I'm never gonna buy a Porsche." But they're like, "Yeah, you know, whatever. Just hop behind the wheel of this three hundred thousand dollar car." And they're going like two hundred miles an hour down sixty five oh, into Indiana. I'd have totally been there had I known. <laughs> but go ahead. Well, this guy, he, he was like, I showed. I like they were like. He's going to drive from in a Land Rover Defender from Louisville to his home in North Carolina. And we went, yes. <laughs> yes. What? I didn't mean to interrupt. But anyway, he, he wanted to, uh, and they were wanting me to, my team to step in and photograph him the whole way. And he was going to do it without GPS. And so... The thing with that is, like, people are like, well, yeah, you just use maps, but it's actually hard to find a map, you know? Like, you um, just can't. Hmm, are you not I a triple A subscriber? <laughs> Visitor I, services? I swear. Like, I mean, you don't have a triple He had tick? difficult. Well, <laughs> so he couldn't use any technology, but we could. <laughs> That's awesome. I would just laugh at Facebook videos all day long. <laughs> like, dude, are you seriously going to turn left here? I've been in the backseat of this car for 12 hours. <laughs> yeah, dude, it was a lot. It was, it was some of that where it was like. It took us two hours to get out of the city of Louisville <laughs> because he had no clue where he was going. Like, just think hey. about that. Like, you're you're in a car. You're like, I have to get to North Carolina somehow. I have no clue how to get there. In his defense, there is a movie, Elizabeth Town, by one of those most teeny bopper uh, yeah. movie stars. They mention how they show how bad Kentucky Road, the road system is, and navigation. Mm. In his defense. Come Continue. on, it's not that bad. I've been to it's, Alabama, bro. Dude, there's like 18 exits for for E Town, 18. So and then they exit with no name. And then if you take the wrong exit, there's you're exit. you're stuck. I mean, that's the exit with no name is where people go to die. <laughs> so don't worry about that exit. That's a lot of unmarked graves. <laughs> no, down no, there. Yeah. no labels there. <laughs> anyway, continue. <laughs> well, we got lost a lot. Uh, so what I think the to get to North Carolina, it's like a. I don't know, 20, or sorry, like a 12-hour, 14-hour drive. Where in North Carolina? Uh, oh, gosh. I'm from North Carolina, so I know. Well, it was a suburb, so I think it was out of, uh, honestly, I, I don't know. Raleigh, um, Wilmington, Asheville. Mm. Raleigh's central, Asheville's west, Wilmington's far southeast, Greensboro's north central. He's so small. I don't know, man. Oh, I, damn. I, I feel like it, it was it was like really far. Maybe I should have finished the article because Wilmington, <laughs> Wilmington's 14 hours. That sounds right. Raleigh, Raleigh Greensboro is about eight, nine hours. Asheville's okay. about six. It was 14. Word. Yeah, oh, it damn. was 14. 
I, I definitely know that. That's rough. And it took us three days. <laughs> yeah, and you're in, you're in a truck that's not exactly the most highway worthy vehicle. No, it's no AC, no heat, no air, no. I mean, it was in the middle of summer, so no Gross. air. A 2002 XLT Durango. It was so loud. That thing was like, <laughs> you know, like. So we rode in it, and um, and then I had assistants follow, and we followed them, followed them all the way to North Carolina. But we were going through like the the mountains, and we were like all over the place. And I, I was like, "Where are we going?" And like it took a took us a while to find a map. We had several gas stations, and finally found a map, and finally we made it back to North Carolina. But yeah, it was it was we stayed over twice, just Pretty random cool. stop, like just random stops, and. They paid me to do it. They're like, this trip should take no more than three days. <laughs> but push, push it to the max. Uh, yeah, had a great budget, and we we, uh, we had a great time. It was that was one of those shoots. I was like, man, that's that is why I love my job, you know, because it was it's so fun. Yeah, well, the photos from that were fantastic. I mean, it, you, I'm sure you saw things that you will likely be hard pressed to actually find again. Yeah. You know, we brought all of our gear and we barely used any of it because it was just so run and gun. And just like he would get out of the car and then we had to like stop and like run out and like, you know, snap him, like just trying to find his way. And finally, I mean, it was, it was kind of, we got back to his house and his wife was waiting and like, we're like, hey, we're the <laughs> photography crew. And then we said hello and then turned right back around and went back home to, I mean, that's a lot of how business is. You just have to, you know, be spontaneous. You have mm-hmm. to take the world as the world comes. You don't dictate to the world, this is how you're going to be. Mm-hmm. You like, know? I have a goal right now. It has to be achieved. I will achieve it at all costs, and then I'm going to get the F back home. Yeah. People take for granted how much is out there that they just skip over because, yeah. you know, everything's programmed into their life. There's, there's all kinds of different little rest stops or, you know, gas stations or sites you're not going to see because you're already focused. You're hyper-focused. This is the route I'm going to take. You know, the world is crafted for my exact existence, and I'm going to go here. Yeah, it was it was cool because we stopped at a couple Indian reservations, and, yeah, there was a few of them. I had no way. idea that yeah. that existed in between here and there. Yeah. No, yeah, no, I, I thought that was all north, yeah. honestly. Or no, there's the a couple of them on, on the way. Um, we stopped at a couple of them in Campbell. It was, I don't know where, I have no idea. If you ask me where it was, I have no idea. <laughs> but uh, I was using GPS, I have no idea. Yeah, this sounds like a college road trip where people are, you know, drinking because they don't have anything better to do in the back of the truck and peeing in <laughs> bottles. <laughs> I've never done that, but I've heard of people who have. have I'm not gonna. For sure. <laughs> so when did your passion for photography and I realize it's pre, you know, peeing in a bottle on your way to North Carolina <laughs> for popular mechanics. But when did your passion for photography tip from, you know, hobbyist and musician into considering yourself a professional and moving into that commercial space? Yeah, it was a slow, it was a slow process for me. You know, everything I've ever done and learned in the music business is all about building. It's like, you know, just a slow kind of expansion. I've always been the guy to like not be the one that just like immediately jump ship I, I do things like more of a strategic manner i was working at the time um doing graphic design um, for myself just uh doing various jobs here and there mostly in the music business working with record labels even though i wasn't in the band at the time um well i was but it was like kind of a side just side project kind of little thing i'm just creating some music here and there but um doing graphic design and then i was working for a photographer retailer at the same time, so um, doing some marketing and social media. 
And then it got to the point where I was doing so many editorial shoots, like local editorial stuff around here, whether that was for the end focus at the time, or that was the voice tribune, or that was, uh, just these little odd jobs here and there and doing so many of them. Um, Louisville magazine, I was shooting for all the magazines at the time, um, even the newspaper. And I just, I was making more at that than I was from my day job and graphic design combined that I was like, all right, I could do this. Yeah. You know? Like a lot of people are like, oh, I'm terrified. And I was like, I just didn't look back, man. I just did it and made the jump. And it was a little different than a lot of people who are like, you know, they're scared and like, oh, took that risk. But I was so busy that I just didn't have time to even think about that. I just kind of dove. I just went right in and never looked back. And I've, that was uh, what, four, probably four years ago. Man, like you've you've escalated that quick in four years. Something like that. Good nice. lord, dude. That hockey stick. Talk about a hockey stick. Dude's got the eye. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's all in the composition. <laughs> so I've I'm been at- shooting for seven years. I was shooting for three years. Yeah, three. Yeah, so four years ago. So are you saying making jagged edges and hard-to-read logos for local metal bands doesn't pay that much? <laughs> are you sure? Because it looks like a lot of work with all those edges and, and things Man. coming off of it that... I was looking to push all this to the side and start doing that. So. Yeah, for real. For IP targeting? Uh, forget that. What were some of the logos of the band? Did you do logos for bands here? I did. Uh, not locally. Um, most of them were actually through record labels or through management companies and things like that. But uh, It was more indie. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't know them. You wouldn't you know wouldn't those bands. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, back back in. Back, we're dropping back I mean, in. Let's put it back on the some freaking the, rails. Some of the metal, right now. metal bands, Diamond Plate, Lazarus AD. I did. Uh, Are these fonts or metal band names? Metal band names. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I did Fierce Allegiance. Oh, dude, I like the that. absence. <laughs> Maybe it's the abscess. The, the Might have been the abscess, not the absence. <laughs> So you're talking about like these pimple popping videos. I don't know. Man. There was a lot of I was like Cyst. yes. Cyst pop. <laughs> brutal. That was brutal. That's brutal making it through this project. Good lord. <laughs> anyway. Ricketts. I remember that one. Ricketts. That was an interesting <laughs> Jiminy Ricketts. That was an interesting client. Oh. I don't just... talk about my other client, polio. <laughs> <laughs> Vitamin C. That's an actual artist, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. They should, they should I collab. I wouldn't know about them. They should totally collab. I'm That's, not that was, She was like a pop star. Want to collab, bro? <laughs> yeah, she was a pop star. Uh-huh. Graduation Ooh. day, I remember it. Oh, oh wow. Yes. Ooh. Yes. Wow. Ooh. Way I'm... to reach back into the Man. recesses of your mind. Late 80s, baby. Woo-woo. Yeah, late eighties. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so we're gonna summer. punch in, punch it out here. Some summer something. Back on the rails. <laughs> you seem like a guy that when you pick up anything with enough work, you're great at everything. But you have to be better at some things than others. Everybody has core competencies. You've wrote a little bit about it. What are the factors you use to decide when you're gonna outsource something, when you're gonna hire somebody else? to do what you either don't like to do or it takes you longer than others to do? That's a great question because there was time, many times in my career where I knew I wasn't good enough. I think from a business perspective, I knew that I could be better if I trusted 
professional resources, you know, like people that live and breathe and do this kind of stuff, which whether that's retouching or photo editing or producing or, you know, whatever it is in their own zone. And um, it, it takes a team. I mean, everything I do is, is with a team. So I have a re retoucher that I work with. I have a photo editor I work with. I have a producer I work with on almost every shoot. So it's not, it's a big team effort. So I learned that um, there's certain things that I have to delegate so I can better focus on what I know I'm good at or confident in, which that's like creative vision and that's, uh, you know, photography itself, uh, the creative aspect of it. And then obviously, you know, the whole brand aspect, which is marketing and the end vision and the big goal and the big picture kind of stuff. So, okay. Well, yeah. I mean, you, you even have, there's a blog post or, or maybe an article on F-Stopper with respect to, I think it's six investments. Here, I'm, I'm reading it right to now. Level up your commercial photography business. Oh, oh. top of mind. <laughs> but yeah, I mean th those specific asset aspects were were mentioned in that article, and I mean it's it. I've always thought that surrounding yourself with a solid team is one of the finer aspects in life, and I mean maybe it's something that you do in a premeditative fashion, as you would for a business, you know, like <clears throat> clay cook photography, and and other things that just kind of happens because that's just the organic process of life. And, oh, my gosh, dude, you touch up photos? Take a look at this stuff. Maybe you want to help out. Was this something that was more premeditated for you, or was it something that you live in this world and you're like, I need a little bit of assistance here because I don't have time to screw with this anymore, and I think that somebody else with a trained eye would have the better capacity to filter my art for the masses. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's kind of how it was for me. It was like... I kind of mentioned this as like a, a, well, a makeup artist, you know, hires a photographer, but she doesn't shoot her own photos a lot. So it kind of works mm -hmm. the same way where it's like mm -hmm. you have a skill and you are great at that particular skill. And then you rely on a team and other people to bring out the best in, uh, in that sort of creative vision, whatever it is. But, um, yeah, I, I, I just got to the point where I knew that, I had reached sort of a threshold or a sort of a wall where I was like, I have, I have to have somebody that is better than me, you know, at doing this. Um, and I have to bring them on or, or reach out to them or do something because otherwise I would be, I would have been sitting at my computer retouching and um, doing all that stuff all the time, <laughs> hours and hours and hours. So I'm not about that. I, I like <laughs> I'm not I like being out. I like being out and talking and shooting and you know working. You know. Yeah, do what's fun. Don't trap yourself in the dungeon, the yeah. tunnel vision. But there were two aspects of that article. You said expose yourself by location that aren't you know about outsourcing. Expose yourself by location and invest in tangible collateral. And yes. you put some of that tangible collateral in action today. And like Austin, oh, it's he smooth. came in here, listeners. He came in here with a stack of four by six 
business cards. I was rubbing the furry wall, dude, just touching, <laughs> just touching this premium. And stock. I mean, we're we're thumbing through these things, and I see Austin over there rubbing <laughs> the pictures. I was slobbering I, a little bit, dude, and honestly. I'm over here like rubbing these pictures, and I'm like, what is that four mil card stock? I'm just glad I didn't Matt take any finish. Ecstasy oh today. my gosh! Ooh. I mean, I would have been rubbing it on my face. It's, <laughs> it's good for your face. It's an exfoliant. I mean, Exfoli- tangible. Yeah, it's very important. I think I think it's kind of a lost thing a lot agreed for creatives um and artists is is having that sort of those tangible mark because everybody's like well you know you don't need a print portfolio because you can have it on an ipad now i'm all digital bro digital so easy (laughs) come on so easy so you know what i found is like these all these art buyers and photo editors and clients they love these tangible boutique feeling assets and they will hire you because of it, you know, because they, they like, if you put that much value in your work, then you're valuable, you know, so. Yeah, you're premium. Show it. Right. You know, what we, what we found at El Toro that clients like is bourbon. They love <laughs> bourbon. I sent some bourbon out. I've, that's, a, that's a thing, you know. Yeah. I mean, I love the fact that I can send bourbon out and it's like, you know, it's close to no. home and it's got that vibe and people, people, you, appreciate that. You took it to the next level, though. The gift go, go, yeah, explain the gift box. This is this. Clay I mean, Cook got designs for these gift boxes. He is premium. Out. I mean, he's well. Uh, you know, the the story I, in the article is one of my biggest advertising clients. Um, they're ad agency out of Sarasota. They uh, he told me a story, and he's a really nice guy. That the creative director there. He told me a story about how some photographer uh, had sent. Uh, just like send a thanks or, um, and I've heard that from a couple people where like people just send them a quick email and I was like, well, that's how much you value that client. So let me go mm-hmm. real crazy with this. And, you know, I think a lot of people send the Christmas gifts and whatnot. I just wanted to do something just totally out of the box, uh, literally, but it was in a box <laughs> and, uh, I wanted to show Kentucky in a box that that was the whole goal because I love my state. And I love where we're from. And I love the heritage. I love how progressive and and all that stuff. And so I just found ways to put put that in just one gift box, um, and uh, that was branded and looked well. And I sent that out to my. It was I think it was twenty five twenty five clients. So you were number twenty six. <laughs> Sorry, sorry <laughs> about your luck. <laughs> well, I have a bunch left over, so every year I'm going to change it. And, you know. Oh, you got to do it at scale. So you willfully neglected 26. (laughs) (laughs) He'll get them next year. It's all good. Yeah, sure. There's Kentucky Barnwood in that, though. That's next level. Yeah, it was was an investment. (laughs) That's for sure. Hand planed Kentucky Barnwood. Dude, I could get you that for cheap. On the cheap, cheap. Not all that. But uh, yeah, there was some. Don't tell him that. Don't tell him that. (laughs) <laughs> and we sent him rabbit hole. Ooh, oh, rabbit, rabbit hole. Sponsor of eltoro.com Christmas party. Yeah, they do sponsor us. Oh, dude, rabbit yeah. hole's the jam. There you go. You got it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> finally, finally got one there. No, rabbit, rabbit hole's a fantastic partner of El Toro. They, uh, we do a lot in trade with them. And if, 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 for our listeners that might be local or might be coming through Louisville, you should go to the Rabbit Hole Distillery for sure. I it's agree. a sight to behold. The top floor, they got one of the best, if not the best bar in town. It was built for tourism. It was <laughs> built for you to come there and check it out. You know what I like about the Rabbit Hole, like the whole brand is like it's kind of this modern take on on bourbon. You know, like so many so many distilleries and so many places, I'm not knocking anyone doing it, but 
I'm just saying, like, they kind of hung, hang on to that heritage thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Rabbit Hole is just oh, like, yeah. no, like, we're going to go super modern with this, like, super progressive. And, like, just the way the distillery is set up, the way that the cocktails are set up upstairs, like, everything is very progressive about it. And I was like, this is cool. You yeah. Know? It's different. Yeah, it's for unique. sure. Hopefully their Rick houses can follow suit, uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, there was an article once again in Popular Mechanics in 2017. <laughs> you are an avid reader. That uh, just of you know very minor publications, but um, there was an article that talked about you know a lack of technology investment in rickhouses, and that was one of the things that they really went into because there haven't been rickhouses created since the 1800s. So how do you use all this modern tech to make better juice and? Based on how Rabbit Hole's distillery actually looks right now, I'm curious to see what their rickhouses look like and how, you know, that's contributing to how awesome their booze are. Where are they going with that? Like, it's out in Bardstown or something, probably? I I mean, it it can be really wherever. I mean, wherever you want to expose your juice to the elements. I mean, you look at, you know, Talisker uh, out in Scotland there. I mean, they've got their casks exposed to this rough sea on the western coast of Scotland. And to tap one of those casks, you actually have to knock the salt off before you get it. And I don't know if this is where it happened, but that's uh, that's something similar to what um, Jefferson's Reserve does for their aged at sea stuff. And I don't know if it's that severe of of an influence, but I mean... You know, when I taste those booze, I at least fool myself into thinking that I can taste some of the salt from the ocean. Oh, you can. You can. Yeah. You have a refined palate. For sure, yeah, refined palate. That's what I like to say. I just uh, know it gets me drunk. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just I'm here to get fancy. messed up, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Goes down smooth. One of, the, one of these guys I met along the way, he has a Kentucky Owl. You ever heard of that? Yeah, man. Remember? We got some Kentucky Owl. Um, first seems, batch, first hundred bottles. Dixie. He's a great You're dude. You're so cool, Stadler. <laughs> he, he was like... You know, he's like a bourbon connoisseur. He's like, you know, he's like, bourbon is what it is, man. He's like, it's more of just a, a great way to have a good, t- good time and great conversations. For sure. He's like, all these like bourbon guys are like snooty and pretentious with the, <laughs> you know, the tasting and like all that stuff. He's Damn. like, man. Talking about Stadler. Yeah, pretty place. much. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's he's like, at the end of the day, he's like, you know, it just brings people together. And that's the greatest that's the sure. greatest thing Aww. about it. I mean, dude, Aww. we got a podcast so built around bourbon for lack of a better, <laughs> better topic. I love it. That's great. So we mentioned a lot of this came back to, to your blog post, to what you give back. I mean, you're on, after you're done with claycookphoto.com, Check out fstoppers.com with the clay, <laughs> clay blog, which Man. he's given Photoshop tips. He's given light. He's giving away trade secrets here. He's doing creative talks around Louisville. He's doing all kinds of things to give back. But first off, don't give away your secrets. I don't know who told you that was a good idea, but you got to lock that down and keep it away <laughs> like, like a Coca-Cola yeah. uh, formula. I don't know who told you that, but stop that. Stop <laughs> one. Secondly, you're too busy to help the next generation of creatives. You're doing too much stuff. <laughs> Again, stop it. Stop you're giving making, these kids jobs. You're making people look bad. Yeah, he does have an open internship. I do. To yeah. study under Clay Cook. You can speak a little bit about that later. But how do you find the time to do all this, dude? I mean, you are a busy guy. Climbing Mount Kilimanjaro, hanging Twice. out with Chris Long of the Eagles, helping Chris numerous nonprofits. 
Are you including some of the metal bands from the Louisville area? A lot of jagged edge brands <laughs> and logos. I'm still friends with all those guys, man. Sick. Like we go way back. I always, every time we're in a room, like we just, I just happen to like connect with somebody that was in a band way back when. And like, I mean, if we're in the same room together, there will be a lot of drinks had. That's for sure. <laughs> I'm from Bent Rebar, bro. <laughs> 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 Acetone formaldehyde. <laughs> but like, I mean, what's your schedule look like? Is it some time management app? You know, why are you giving away the secrets? And then how do you find the time to do all this stuff? I don't know. It's I, like I didn't go to school. I didn't. What? Uh, no, I didn't go. I didn't go. To college school. is needed. First, off. I went on tour. Everybody needs college. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's an article I wrote. <laughs> Don't we go to college. <laughs> <laughs> we loved it. Um, That's what I tell my nieces and nephews, and yeah, I will tell I, my I children. S- I still yeah. got a lot of controversy over that article, but it was, you know, I mean, I, I'm really passionate about young people and young entrepreneurs, and it's how I learned. I just learned through other people, and so, um, and them being gracious enough to share their secrets and whatnot with me. So um, that's what I did. And, I, I you know, I, I, from a mantra level, I believe that the more you give, the more you get. So it's out of greed. I just, it's rewarding, you know, at the end of the day for me. Uh, it's real rewarding. And but you hate college, dude. Why do you hate college? Well, so there's nothing wrong with college if you want to follow a career path in which you need a degree, right? Okay, yeah, I get but that. But today, the modern day degree in my world is a portfolio. So, you don't need that piece of paper and you don't need to uh, get in debt. And debt's the biggest thing, you mm-hmm. know. Um, I, I mentor a lot of students that are some 60, 80K in debt. And they're going to be paying it off till they're 40, 50 years old. Amen. And, you know, That's for terrible. me, I was fortunate enough to start a career in zero debt. Yeah. But I incurred debt as a business. So... You know, I had to have capital, so I had to, whether you know, I got a loan and did the credit card thing for a while to to really build my business and build, you know, what I wanted to, you know, what I needed um, to expand my business, and uh, I incurred debt. So it's it's one of those things where I try to coach and teach is like get that debt down before you really dive into the small business world. Yeah, if you're gonna put forty to eighty to hundred thousand dollars into something, do you really want to put it? into quote-unquote experts or do you want to put it into yourself bet on yourself right no you're you're exactly right i mean you blogged about success a lot and kind of what it takes to get there were you ever worried you wouldn't make it and you'd hit rock bottom for your business and insufficient funds yeah a lot of that (laughs) (laughs) so funny story is you know fifth third bank had like some lawsuit against them regarding overdraft fees because I guess they were charging fees upon fees and I got that letter in the mail and they're like well if you list every overdraft you ever had then you can get some of this back (laughs) I got a check for like 6k (laughs) what because I was so overdrafted all the time I swear dude well I mean those make no sense hey you don't have any money but we're gonna take more yeah and I it was it was a settlement that happened with them 
I got the I got this check. It was like the most money I've ever made in my life from a settlement. <laughs> You've you crushed the settlement world right there. I mean, the most I've, most I've ever gotten is two dollars and thirty cents. Mister Class Action Clay Cook, <laughs> welcome to the state. And it wasn't, but it wasn't even, it was like, I got one of those random letters. You ever gotten that? Like there's a class oh, yeah. action lawsuit. Oh, I got my hopes up for but, sure. That's but how I got $2 to... that one time. <laughs> hey, let Sick. me borrow a dollar. Yeah, I, I got, got you, bro. I got, <laughs> I got thousands <laughs> of dollars. Yeah. It was like five and some change. Oh my gosh. Clay yeah. Cook, thousandaire. If you want to learn how to make money off of class action lawsuits, <laughs> contact Clay Cook at claycookphotography.com. His, his two 60 minute intermission sessions. <laughs> Going now. Um, I don't remember what the question was, but uh, about you crushing it. Hell, I don't. I don't either, man. <laughs> oh, the, the rock bottom and success. rock, rock yes. bottom. Yeah. yeah. For me, it's always about learning. I don't really consider myself to be the success of what I want, but success has changed for me a lot. I think a lot of young people think success is money or fame, power, or whatnot, and it's just it's not at all. I learned that a lot. I learned a lot about myself the last few years, for sure. Um, learned a lot about just my everything, you know, um, business and health, minds. That's what success to me is at the end of the day. So, but that's changed, you know. Uh, it, it it changed over the years. Well, you'll sure should have a lot of good stories to tell your kids one day. Yeah, that's for sure. It's not like you've gone anywhere or done anything. Yeah, know? really. What are you going to tell on, them? Man. Really, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> stories are are huge, man. I think that's a big deficit. I mean, not to you know keep going with the serious note here, but Stories are huge because everybody's a photographer now. I actually did a, a, a speaking engagement on this about how we as photographers need to focus more on taking pictures and focusing more on telling stories. It's about sharing stories and doing more of this, what we're doing now, and podcasting and, and doing that bourbon. because it's <laughs> drinking bourbon because it's that's what's going to ad- advance humanity and share empathy oh, and so you're saying that listening to the eltoro.com podcast will advance Save humanity that's, world. that's what i heard that's an endorsement official yeah, clay cook straight up professional photographer and world taker over official sponsor <laughs> of the eltoro.com podcast <laughs> your face is gonna be on this podcast oh sick oh man i don't know how we tricked you into coming into here <laughs> we got it, him good if you could speak a little bit, oh, he knows all guest. about that sound bite. The guest popping off. <laughs> oh sh! Man, I did. I did promise you a second drink, and I I neglected you, and I apologize right now on air. He doesn't mean it though. I don't mean a thing I say. <laughs> but you know, speak about this internship. What do you got going on? What's coming up in the future that you're excited about? You know, how can people get involved? Let them know. Let the people know. Let our 12 listeners know how. Shh, don't tell them it's 12. It's 13. 13. Well, I thought there was 13 listeners, but really it was just Clay Cook downloading a couple and listening, <laughs> checking, seeing if we were for real. So we don't actually have a Baker's Dozen. We just have this live studio audience. No, you're just fools. nuts about us. No, it's 12. But there's 75 studio audience members. 75. We pay mm-hmm. them. For sure. Anyway, but how can they get involved? Well, my internship is probably one of the most rewarding things I do. Um, a lot of people f- looking outside and probably just think standard internship, but it's actually not. It's it's much different. So it's basically I kind of think of it as a school of real world learning. You know, these interns come in and they're usually students and they're in debt or they're just kind of you know trying to figure out the world of photography and they get thrown into this like real world experience. 
it, we we really form a, a true f- friendship and a bond my, with my interns. They're not just like getting coffee or whatnot, and it's 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 way more than that. They become like true assistants, and they are on real world sets, and they're deep sort of uh, experience, if you will, rather than just an internship. So um, I'm bringing on interns for February, and it's a one year internship. So it's not just summer; it's just not whatever. It's it's a it's a full year, and it's more of a mentorship. I think that's a better term for it than an internship, but. I've got three interns right now. I'm losing two in February. Quitters. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's like great people. I'm sorry. <laughs> they're they're hard workers, man. Um, they're they're awesome young people that really want to work hard, and and some of them go on to do really great things. You know, so it's it's a really it's a really rewarding experience for me. Bringing on a couple more in February, and um, and yeah, the internship program is is awesome for any of those young people that just kind of want to learn the ropes and have that real world experience, um, that college doesn't give, you know, I think I, I speak at colleges and, and, uh, professors, you know, tend to, to, to love me or hate me sort of thing. You know, um, they if, love me because if people hate you, then it's probably a good I thing. I tell the truth, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, this is how it is, man. You know, it's, it's no joke. It's no, to make a living, a sustainable career at photography, it's a lot of work. Embrace the grind, like you said. You got it. Well, you mentioned you mentioned mentorships. Do yeah. you still have mentors? Do, are there people? We had Claire Alasia on or two weeks ago, mm-hmm. and she that she mentioned how that's just a huge part of her life. What 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 role does that take? And do you have any advice for people in selecting mentors or, or getting into that? <laughs> um. Yeah, I think I think it depends on the industry totally, but uh, but I think that for people wanting to be in the creative world, mentorships are huge. I did not personally have a exclusive mentor. I just had friends in which we partied a lot and we talked a lot about photography and we experimented a lot and just had a lot of good times and created cool work. Um, and that was sort of my my uh the way i learned um and uh i didn't really have one exclusive mentor but it played a huge role in my learning um in my photography first starting out because i had friends that enjoyed it as much as they were passionate and inspiring and it was a totally it was a very refreshing thing you know for me um i think i think i would agree with claire like mentors are huge so if you're looking to do any business or looking to get in any field or industry it's like you know, seeking out those internships and seeking out mentors and people that can really, you can trust and, and, and um, rely on to uh, mentor you forever is, is really a great, it's a great resource. Yeah. Look where you want to go and see who's doing that right now. For mm-hmm. sure. Ask questions. Listen. Yeah. And a lot of young people are f- afraid of that. You know, they're, they're, they're it's scared. hard to ask a question if you're, if you're, because young. they live in a virtual world a lot mm-hmm. of times. Yeah. You own a technology company, Statler. <laughs> I know, and, 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 and I have, I have, a, I have, a, I have a tough position with this. But the only reason that I'm here is because you know I teamed up with a couple of people when I was really young, mm-hmm. and I was the only dude with hair down to his. I was the only dude that showed up to the job fair with a suit on and hair down to his shoulders. That's why I got hired. Um, I, actually, I was the only dude with a suit on. So are you um, a coder? You code? No, stuff? I'm not a coder. No, he's dumb um, as a rock. I'm dude. just a vibe guy, man. 
<laughs> no, I, I, I run my team and I we run, we run all the traffic here. Yeah, he's so, a very analytical. All the widgets, guy. all the widgets analytical that we guy. sell. Oh yeah, all the widgets that we sell are run through the ops team. Period. All the strategy that's instilled comes through the ops team. We make and sell period. a lot of widgets. All the support that's conducted comes through the ops team. So that's my people right there. And it's I amazing run it, what you I run guys it do, like man. a street gang. <laughs> We're hard. We Super hard. Super tough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not going to say hard, uh, <laughs> but I'm going to say tough. You got to watch what you say around here. Yeah, man. It's phrasing. Yeah. Phrasing, gentlemen. It's awesome. Delivery. <laughs> yeah, that and guitar solos. But, so, parting words. What do you have to say to the, the budding entrepreneurs, the people out there that are on the brink of giving up? It's their last hope. What do you have to give them for advice right now? Go. Just never give up. And I know that's like such a cliche thing that you don't want to hear. But, you know, I got the story of this band back in the day. Um, they were, you know, younger guys at the time and they kept going and they kept going and they kept going. And, but they were signed after 10 years of being a band. And now they just toured with Metallica and they're called Lamb of God. Oh, oh, I thought you were going to say Maroon 5. <laughs> <This guy>. no. <laughs> Lamb of God has that story of that they were a band for 10 years before they ever got signed on a record label. And it's like to be a band for 10 years, I mean, it's a long time, you know, and before they made any remote success. And I thought that was that was always a story to me that kind of stuck with me in the back of my head um, from the music business. So I was like, well, I just got to stick with it and keep going and uh, keep shooting and and, and just shoot. And just because the more you shoot, the more you're going to fail. And the more you fail, the more you learn. And that's how you just keep going inch by inch. It's like that uh, Any Given Sunday speech with Al Pacino. <laughs> I knew you were going to go there. I had to go there. Um, you know, it's you got to fight for that inch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it. It's because it's so true, man. Inch by inch. You got to have go. fun. Because yeah. you know you know, Lamb of God was having fun. That's one of my favorite bands. So... Dude, did you know that story? Huge, huge connection. Yeah. They just grinded yeah. hardcore. You know, the, the the beauty of the industry that we're in, in is like age is just a number. It doesn't really matter. And I've seen photographers start when they're, you know, 40 and become a great success over a couple of years. And then, you know, you have these young 21-year-olds that are just crushing the game, you know. So it's just a number to just, you know, I think. If you're young and you want to get into it, just know that you got to go in for the long haul, you know? I feel like I should play Eye of the Tiger for this whole segment. You are just, like, I'm motivated. I'm going to take over the world right now. Well, dude, you've been awesome to have. Thanks for I wish me. we had, like, a no, four-hour long podcast. Yeah. Would, like, we'll probably end up just talking <laughs> Man, after this if you don't have anything to do. Yeah, I'm down. This is exactly Let's what go. we would end up doing. <laughs> Let's talk about this cat out in out in Egypt. <laughs> dude, what what an icon. Hey, what an icon. This dude and a female that he was affiliated with scoped out the base of the pyramid in Egypt. <laughs> was the, it was like the Giza pyramid, something like that. Yeah. And they ended up finding like a point of ingress to climb it. They climbed the pyramid, set up their <laughs> camera with <laughs> equipment and you know as they were looking out over 
Cairo. I, I don't know. I've never been to Egypt. Um, but this cat and his girlfriend got up there and started taking photos, and they did some things that would be considered to be the nasty. intimate. I was gonna keep it clean, but there's you guys, a, there's you guys a lot of sand over there. The line. Be there's warned. A lot of sand. I would. It's a dangerous be in the sandy area and doing that kind of Never. thing because, you know, that is not risky. Yeah, that is not oriented for your pleasure. No, no, uh, I I avoid the beach for that fact. Indeed, chafing. Indeed. Number one. I'm not a fan of chafing. Chafing and sharks. Sharks is a distant number two. Why well, don't go to beaches? <laughs> Dude, but Clay, you should swim with sharks. <laughs> have you swam with sharks? That's actually on my bucket list. Okay. To swim with great sharks. I have swam with nurse great sharks. White sharks. Oh, nurse sharks are crap. That, that don't count. It's like fish. Yeah, that doesn't count. But are they, are they like goldfish or betta fish? Yeah. Or something? yeah. You can like touch them in the nose. And yeah, yeah. Nurse sharks aren't <laughs> in so Everybody I, swims around nurse sharks. The strategy against sharks is to punch them in the face. Straight who, up. Who, without training, day in, day out, Tell me with a straight face, either one of you, and there's no video of this, but would you punch a shark square in the jaw or square in the nose if he came at you? You goddamn right I would. You're, you're a liar. I would, too. Clay. Heart attack. As serious as a heart attack, dude. I'm just what trying to put myself do? in that situation. Like, if I was in that scenario, like, I would do whatever I could. If I, I could see the shark coming, it's like, I'm going to fuck you up, I would shark. stab whoever I'm with. Straight up. First off, I, I <laughs> am shanky who's next idea. to me. Never dive <laughs> with Austin Whiteley because he will stab you stab. when the going I gets tough. Guaranteed. Like some dolphin's coming at me and like Austin mistakes it for a shark. He pulls out his knife and stabs me in the stomach. And I get eaten by a shark, not because I was going to get eaten by a shark, but because Austin Whiteley stabbed me in the stomach. Don't give away what, last names, dude. What a dick. <laughs> The only person I would not stab is my daughter. Anybody else is getting stabbed. <laughs> it's my daughter. <laughs> I'm stabbing myself for sure. Guaranteed. Clay Cook. Clay Cook. We'll Get your that. life together. <laughs> it's been amazing. We're shutting it down. Thanks so much, man. We appreciate it. Thank you, guys. ClayCookPhoto.com. You've been listening to the Straight from the Bull podcast from El Toro Studios, brought to you by ElToro.com, where we target people, not pixels. Uh, regardless, doesn't matter. Irregardless. Don't want to sound like an idiot on the podcast, right?